You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church at church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Today's sermon in the More series is More Than Eternity. Now, what could be more than eternity? Eternity is a big thing, right? I, I'm, I mean, it's unending. What could be more than eternity? You see, you and I, a lot of times, when we think of our salvation in Jesus, we just think about eternity. We think about how it's going to impact our afterlife, and we're not thinking about how it's even impacting our life here. Through salvation in Jesus, you've got a whole lot more than just eternity. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about this new DNA that we get when we come to know Christ. What was I talking about? What what does that even mean? It means having a new Christ nature, following after Christ, having a new nature, not just learning a few things to act like him, but actually having a new nature. Like in John chapter 3, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said a man must be born again, that it's not enough to just be born of flesh, but you have to be born of spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand. It's kind of hard to explain. Jesus said that also there in that chapter. It's not easy to understand. We hear the wind blowing, but we can't really understand or say that's where it came from or that's where it's going. And in the same way, but we must be born of the Spirit as well. Or 2 Corinthians, what it tells us is that when we come to Christ, we get a new life. That our old life has passed away. It's like dead and gone. We've left it behind. We have this new life. First Peter talks about how that this, this new life inside of us is, is a seed. And it's not a, a perishable seed. Like if you think about planting seeds in the ground and they die so they can come back to life. But First Peter says that this is an imperishable seed inside of us. This, this new DNA, this new Christ life that we have inside of us never perishes. It doesn't fall away. It, it is always there for us. And, and then in Romans chapter 6, it talks about how that this new life is, is uh, symbolically we see it in water baptism. That when you are baptized in water, you go down as if your old man is dying and being buried under the water. And then you come back to this new life in Jesus Christ. This is what this DNA means. This new DNA that we get. It's not just some do better. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's not just having some New Year's resolutions that you live by, you and I, we actually got a new DNA, a new spirit man inside of us, a new life that has come, okay? So what does this do for us? Okay, uh, two weeks ago when we were talking about this, I, I mentioned two things. One of them is this DNA causes us to act right, act right. Now, I guess if I was going to be real churchy or religious here, I would say act righteously, but what that means really is to just act right. That's what righteousness is. It's just doing what is right. So act right. This DNA causes us to act right. Because this DNA causes us to act like Christ. Did Christ act righteously? The Word of God tells us in not one place, not two places, not three places, but over and over and over that there was no fault in Jesus. He lived 32 or 33 years, doesn't sound like a long time, except for some of you maybe, but he lived those years without ever committing a sin. That's what the Bible tells us. And if he did that, 
then what does that mean we're supposed to do if we're following after Christ? Even Pilate, the governor at the time of Jesus' death, when Jesus is arrested by the religious people of the time and, and, and taken to trial, Pilate, it says in the Word of God that Pilate investigated him. He asked him questions. He dug deep into him, but he just kept coming back and saying, I can find no fault in this man. How would you do, how would I do if I had to go stand before a judge and answer for everything I've ever done in my life, would we be able to hear the judge say, I find no fault? That's what these people heard Pilate, the governor, say about Jesus. And if we're supposed to be Christ's followers, again, then we're supposed to also Try to live without sin. And I know people say, well, you can't do that. Nobody's perfect. I know we slip up. We mess up. But that doesn't mean we give up. We are supposed to turn our back. That old man has died. We're supposed to turn our back on that and not go back to it. Don't resurrect that old life. You've been saved from that old life. You've been given a new life. And so now live and walk in that new life to do everything you can to act right as Christ did. But how in the world are you and I ever going to be able to do that? I'm glad you asked. Galatians chapter 5. Now, God is speaking through Paul here. He's given Paul these words to write to the, to the Christians that are in Galatia. And so he, he gives him these words, and, and he starts talking about something called the fruit of the Spirit. Now, what is fruit? Now, don't think about the fruit of the Spirit yet, but just what is fruit? Think about what fruit is. Fruit is... That, that just naturally springs forth out of an organism's nature, right? An apple tree is going to naturally give apples, right? You're not going to get grapes out of an apple tree. You're not going to get peaches out of an apple tree. You're going to get apples. That's what naturally comes forth, the fruit of whatever's in there. In the same way, the fruit of our spirit is going to bring forth whatever's in our spirit. So if we have this new DNA, this new nature of Christ, if we have that inside of us, then, then we're going to have that kind of fruit coming out of our life. As long as we are yielding to that nature that has been given to us, that new life in Jesus, as long as we're yielding to that, we're going to be having that fruit come out of us. Things like love, joy, peace, being long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit that is inside of you. As long as you're yielding to that new life inside of you, that new DNA, these are the things that are going to naturally come out of you. Now, yeah, we sometimes may see some of this occasionally in our life before we come to Christ, but these are the things that will burst out of us. They naturally flow out of us when we become a Christian. Not the kind of things that come out of our human nature, is it? These things of love, joy, peace, uh, patience, and self-control. Those aren't the things that come out of our human nature. Paul also talks about those as well. And he gives an even longer list than that. I won't give you that whole list, but let me mention a few of those. He says, he says that, that our human nature does these kinds of things. Hatred, wrath, envy, murder, and drunkenness. He said those are the things of our human nature. And we all know, 
as we were saying a few moments ago, we're not perfect. Sometimes we let a little bit of that human nature come back to life and come at it. But you and I, we've got to keep yielding to this fruit of this new life that is inside of us so that this continues to come out of us. Because when we yield to this Christ life that is inside of us, those good things are the things that will come out of our life. And like right now, our world right now, our country right now, our communities right now need a church. And, and, and when I say a church, I don't mean a local congregation. I don't mean a group of people in a, a building somewhere today. I'm talking about the universal church. This world today needs a church walking in the fruit of the Spirit. And here's how easy Paul seems to make it sound. It's because he says, walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says it as if it's as simple as just choosing. But it is. We make it so hard to try and live right. But it's, it's so easy because it's in us. All of that fruit is in us. And all we have to do is choose. Choose to yield to that and not allow that old man to come back to life. Choose to yield to it. So choose love. It's in you. All you have to do is choose it. Choose it over all the other stuff. It's so much easier to react to everything going on around us. But, but choose love. Choose joy. Choose peace. Choose to be long-suffering. Choose gentleness and goodness and faith. Choose meekness and choose self-control because it's inside of you. As long as you yield to it, that's the fruit that's going to come out. But that's not all. Just acting right is not all. Just refraining from evil is not all because this DNA also produces in us good works. We don't just act right, but we do good. You see, sometimes we get this idea that as long as we don't do wrong, then we're okay with God. But he doesn't just want us to act right. He wants us to do good, do good deeds, to reach out, to minister, to serve, to help somebody. Did Christ do that? Because, you know, this is what this is all about, right? I get, I get this new nature in me to follow after Christ and do things the way he does them. So does Christ do that? Because if Christ did it, then I need to do it. Let me say it to you this way. Jesus never quoted out one single day of his ministry. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I don't know if everybody uses that term or not. I had a job one time. It was an awesome job, and I didn't stay there very long. But I was a low man on the totem pole, so I had to fill in for whoever was out. And I got to fill in for a guy that had a really awesome job this one week. He had a quota. He had to stay an hour ahead of everybody else. So he got there at 6 instead of 7. But the company had to make sure he stayed ahead of everybody. He worked hard and he worked fast. And so they gave him a quota every day. And as long as he fulfilled that quota, he could leave whenever it was done. He didn't have to pick up anything else to do. As long as he got everything ready for the rest of the day for everybody else. And let me tell you, I was going home at 11 o'clock, showing up at 6 and going home at 11 and getting paid for eight hours. That was awesome. Clock out, wave goodbye to everybody who was still working. You know, you got it, guys. I, I did my part. Now, there's, there, it's in your hands now. Take off. Jesus never did that. So that's what I mean when I say Jesus never quoted out. He didn't preach a sermon and say, okay, guys, I'm done for the day. He preached a lot of sermons. But he didn't say that he was done. He, he didn't lead his small group. And he had small groups. 
He didn't lead his small group, and then when he was finished, say, I'm done, guys. Y'all handle it from here. I'm tired. Can't do anymore. He didn't just teach the kids, and we know that he taught the kids one specific time that he did. But he didn't teach the kids and say, okay, I've taught kids church this morning, so I'm done, guys. We even know that he led worship at times. That last night that he was alive with his disciples, he led them in a song of worship. And when he was done leading worship, he didn't say, I'm done. He didn't say, I'm finished. He didn't say, it's over with. No, I mean, it was just getting started for him that night. He was about to be arrested, taken before Pilate, before Herod, and then he was going to be crucified. Jesus never quoted out. But after he preached, after he led, after he taught, then he still healed people. He healed the sick, and, and the Word says that he healed all manner of diseases. And I don't know what you think about that, but when I think of that, I'm thinking, he didn't just heal people with headaches and colds. He healed people with vile, disgusting diseases. He reached his hand out and touched them and healed them without a mask or hand sanitizer or anything. He healed sick people. He, he fed hungry people. And, you know, he didn't feed hungry people that just came to him and said, hey, I'm hungry. He fed people that were hungry because he was paying attention and he saw them in their hunger and he fed them. Can you relate this to me and you today? Can you think about where I'm going with this? Can you see what I'm talking about? Is he didn't wait till someone said, I'm hungry. He saw people that were hungry and even though he had already preached, even though he had already taught, even though he had already led worship, he still said, I got to feed somebody that's hungry. He called his disciples together and they had to feed. And he cared for the children. He didn't just teach them, but took them up in his lap. He said, he said, don't hinder the little children to come to me. Let them come. This, this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. And Jesus, he even rescued people from human trafficking. Wait, wait, wait. Did I get that right? I mean, is there a story in the Bible where he actually did that? Okay, listen. I may not be able to prove to you that he did rescue someone in human trafficking, but but follow me and just, just see something here with me, if you will. In John chapter 8, there's this story where these religious guys, super religious guys, they want to trick Jesus. They want to trap him. They want to get him to deny something about the, the Old Testament law. And in those days, it was legal to stone someone to death that was caught in the act of adultery. So they dragged this woman down the street, throw her at the feet of Jesus, and say, okay, master, she was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses' law says she needs to be put to death. What do you say? Now, it's an awesome thing what Jesus did here. Bends down, he writes in the sand, almost like he's ignoring them, or, or some people think he was writing their sins down. And they, so they start pushing him, and, and so he finally says, okay, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone. Well, you and I know, especially what we've already talked about in this message, Jesus was the only one there that would have been qualified to cast the first stone because he was the only one without sin. And so when they all started leaving one by one because that so challenged them in their spirits because they knew they weren't without sin either. The woman, Jesus calls her attention to him and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, no one is standing here anymore. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. The only one qualified to throw a stone at her said, neither do I condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Go yield to this new 
nature that I'm putting inside of you. Now, who is this woman? Well, there are some particulars about this story that point to a few things that we can infer may be facts. Like, I believe she was probably a prostitute. Some of the things that we don't have here is, you know, it takes two people to commit adultery, right? And where's the other party that committed adultery with her? I mean, if they caught her in the act, what, did he get away? You know, how did this happen? So she was probably a prostitute. Someone, you know, how did they actually find them in the act? Perhaps they followed her knowing she was a prostitute, waiting, waiting until she got a customer. Or perhaps they even set her up. And that's why they let the guy go. Now, okay, yes, this is conjecture. But just follow my logic here. That what if this was happening? And even these religious men then, they were involved in human trafficking just so they could try and destroy Christ's ministry. So whatever's going on here, we do know Christ rescued a woman. Quite possibly a prostitute who was involved in human trafficking. Quite possibly from the men who set her up to die that day. I don't know that that's exactly what happened in this instance, but if that opportunity arose right in front of Jesus, you and I both know it's exactly what he would have done. So after he preached and taught and led and worshiped, he healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he cared for the children, he rescued people from the hell that they were living in, and he cried. Scripture tells us a couple of times where we know that he broke down and cried and wept. And if we're supposed to follow Jesus, do our preaching and our leading and our teaching and our worshiping and, and, and heal people and, and care for them and feed the hungry and, and weep with them and get down in the, the mud and the muck and the mire of whatever people's lives are and, and help rescue them out of that, how in the world do you and I ever hope to do anything like that? Again, glad you asked. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is just one of the places that tells us how we're going to do that. And there, God is speaking through Paul, writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he lists what we call gifts of the Spirit. I want to tell you this, and don't get upset with me if you disagree. I don't believe this list is exhaustive or complete, because I believe God can do whatever God wants to do. And I believe Paul was just saying, these are things, these are gifts from the Spirit. Okay, so what are gifts? All right, let's think about that before we talk about what these actual gifts were. What are gifts? Now, when I think of gifts, I think of two things. One thing is it's free. If I got to pay for it, it's not a gift. But just because it was given to me doesn't make it really a gift. Because if it's not good, it's not a gift. You know, I can give you a sock in the head for free, and, and uh, you would not call that a gift, regardless of what Opie said in Andy Griffith's show 55 years ago, right? If it's not free and it's not good, it's not a gift. These gifts of the Spirit are free, and they are good. Things like wisdom, supernatural wisdom of things that you don't understand, and God just shares them into your spirit, or supernatural knowledge of things you don't know, and God just puts them into you, things like that. Okay, so how do I avail myself of these kinds of gifts and this power in my life? Let me wrap up with that, okay, right here. So 
So, so listen with me, if you will. I was just thinking the other day of, uh, of something on Facebook that just reminded me of God. Have you ever been sitting around with your family maybe and talking about uh, building some shelves in the pantry or in the laundry room or something, and, and then you open up your Facebook app, and right there in front of you, what is it? I mean, somebody's trying to sell you closet organizers or shelving or something. And I know they're telling us that they're not listening to us right, but it's like, wait a minute, how do they know this? And you know what? That's a lot like God in our lives. When we think he's not listening, when we're talking to him and telling him, and we think he's not listening, he's hearing so many things in our life, and he's doing so much. I'll give you this example. A couple of weeks ago, I was struggling with my day. Sound familiar? You ever struggle with your day? I meant my day was just not going like it was supposed to. I was on my way to a meeting, and this meeting didn't look like it was going to go well either. I was by myself in the car, so I was able to just talk, and I talked straight to God. And I don't mean I talked ugly to him. I don't mean I talked in an accusing manner. But I just said, God, I'm not asking you to make the fish start biting out here where I'm fishing. I'm not turning the crank on the ice cream and asking you, God, hurry up and make this ice cream freeze. I'm trying to do your will, and I don't know what's going on here, but I could really use your help and if you show up. And in less than two hours, God showed up in three different ways. He shared something into my spirit that I would just call, I would just call supernatural wisdom, something I did not know, and he just made me aware of it. He shared something through someone else to me, this person I went to meet as like a supernatural knowledge, something spoken to me through that person. And then later that day, a faith that rose up in me of something that, that was really beyond me, but God gave me a faith to help someone believe through something that day. How did that happen? How did I come to that place of those kinds of miracles, those, those kinds of gifts, that power operating in my life? Prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16. If you go to the notes online, you can see exactly how the Bible lays it out. But I'm going to give you a little paraphrase of it right here. It says this, that the sincere or earnest, passionate prayer life of a righteous person produces amazing results. Now, the first part of that goes back to the first of this sermon, a righteous person, someone who's acting right. But when we're acting right and then doing this in prayer, then these gifts come to pass. Amazing results happen in our lives. So I want to pray that with you today. If you're not, if you're not following Christ, understand you've got all this right there at your hands he's offered to you. I want to pray this over you too. If you would like to join, join us in this walk following after Christ and believing that he's going to do great things through you also. I want, I want this to be the beginning prayer for, for, for you. If you've not ever seen the power of God evident in your life, I want to pray this over you too. Right now, that God is going to bring to pass great, amazing results through your prayer life. Let's pray. Father, I come to you right now and hoping that I'm praying with someone for the very first time to accept Christ as their Savior so they can have this DNA, this, this new spirit walk inside of them, this new spirit man that the old man will die. 
through faith in the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ, wash away their sins and record their name in your records in heaven. And God, I pray for everyone listening to me. I agree with them in prayer. God, for the, for the days that they have in their life that are just not working out, for the problems, for the struggles, God, for, for yes, for the hell that is going on all around them, God, I pray. God, I pray supernaturally, show up, God. God, let, let the fruit of, uh, of this new life inside of us, let it blossom and just, just explode out of us. And show up, God, with those gifts that we need. God, just a, a word of wisdom, supernatural wisdom, or, or knowledge inside of us, or faith to believe, or, or, or miracles to work, or healing for someone. God, I pray that. Let that begin with this prayer right now today. Let, let this week, God, be that beginning of doing amazing things, of producing amazing results because of righteous people praying and doing what you've called us to do and living as you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. You can email our prayer team at prayer at church2911.com or text us at 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting church2911.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Church 2911. Thanks for listening to the 2911 Sermons Podcast. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.